Hello, everyone, and welcome to another installment of Podcast 360. I'm your moderator, Amanda Balby, with Consultant 360 Specialty Network. My guest today is Dr. Florin Kramer, who is a professor in the Department of Microbiology at the Icon School of Medicine at Mount Sinai in New York, New York. He and his co-authors recently conducted a proof-of-concept trial for a new universal influenza vaccine. You can click the link below in the reference list to read the full publication. Dr. Kramer joins us today to dive deeper into the trial and its findings, as well as talk about how close we are to a universal influenza vaccine. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Kramer. For your study, you and your colleagues aim to test the ability of chimeric H1 hemagglutinin-based universal influenza virus vaccine candidates. Can you tell us more about the trial and how the vaccines were formulated? Yes, of course. So the idea here was to induce antibodies that broadly protective against different influenza virus strains. And so what we tried to do is uh, we tried to expose the immune system to um, constructs or antigens that have the same stock domain but very different head domains. So just to explain that a little bit better, if you think about uh, influenza and regular influenza virus vaccines, the main antigen in the vaccine is the hemagglutinin, which is the major surface glycoprotein of the virus that it uses to attach to our cells. And you can imagine that like a mushroom. There's a cap of the mushroom and there's the st- a stalk of the mushroom, right? And so when influenza viruses change every year, the cap changes, but the stalk stays the same. Now, our immune system doesn't actually like to attack the stalk. It likes to attack the cap. And so what we try to do is to trick the immune system into making an immune response against the stalk. And the way we did this is by using what we call chimeric hemagglutinins. And so these constructs are hemagglutinins that all have the same stalk domain, but then drastically different head domains from avian influenza viruses. And so if you sequentially vaccinate people with that, um, you get a response against the first construct, against mostly the head, but then also a little bit against the stalk, and then you get exposed to the second construct, which has now a completely different head domain, uh, but again the same stalk, and now you get a recall response uh, against the stalk, but uh, only a primary relatively weak response against the head. And so that's the concept. The way we formulated the vaccines was very traditional, so there's many different vaccine platforms that you can use for influenza preclinically, but there's only very few that are on the market, and typically those are inactivated vaccines or life attenuated vaccines. And so uh, we used both platforms, and we used the mix and match because that has been shown to work better if you give, for example, a life attenuated vaccine first and then an inactivated vaccine, but we also tested to, uh, to give inactivated vaccines followed by inactivated vaccines. So that's kind of what we did in terms of concept and formulation. Mm -hmm. So then which formulations of the universal influenza vaccine were most effective? So if we look back now at the formulations that we used, we used one vaccination regimen that uh, started with a life attenuated vaccine that was expressed in one of these chimeras, and then we gave an inactivated vaccine that contained another chimera. Again, same stock, but different heads. That was kind of 
one of the vaccination regimens that we hoped would give us a, a very good immune response. But it turned out that the life attenuated vaccine didn't induce much of an immune response. Only the inactivated vaccine did, specifically if it was adjuvanted. So we had one arm in there that received inactivated vaccine with adjuvant twice, and that was uh, the most effective in terms of inducing these antibodies that we are looking for. So we tested different modalities and we screened out now one that seems to do very well what we, what we intend the vaccine to do. Um, and did any of your findings surprise you? <laughs> well, there's always surprises. I mean, it was surprising that the life attenuated vaccine didn't do much in terms of inducing immune responses. Although it was a study in adults and it's known that life attenuated influenza virus vaccines don't really induce much of an antibody response in adults. They do in children but usually not in adults. We were hoping that because we had a very different head domain that this virus would replicate a little bit more and give a good immune response, but that was not the case. I think that was the biggest surprise. The regimen we thought would do best uh, was actually doing not that well, while another regimen that we thought would be okay was actually doing very, very well. One of the other surprises that we had was that even after one vaccination, we already got very, very high titers of these cross-reactive antibodies. And in a way, that was surprising, but looking back, it makes sense because we are already primed for these cross-reactive antibodies to the stock domain because we have been exposed to influenza virus infections and influenza vaccines. So we have these antibodies. We just have very low levels. And so looking back, it makes sense that the first vaccination already gave us high titers. But that was pretty surprising. How close do you think the public is to a universal influenza vaccine? It's certainly on the horizon. It's hard to say because right now these studies are phase one studies. And as you know, you need to go to phase two, you need to go to phase three. Uh, you need to show that these vaccines are actually protective, you know, in a large cohort. Obviously, that's a few years away from now. But, you know, it, it, it's really hard to estimate the timing for this because this would be the first of this type of vaccine to be licensed. And so it's not really clear what the regulatory pathway would be. Uh, this is also new for the FDA. So it's not clear what would be required in a phase three study. So if a long phase three study that goes over multiple years is required, it would obviously take longer. But it's certainly on the horizon. And there's a lot of attention on these types of vaccines right now. There's a second uh, clinical trial that started in the beginning of the year at the NIH. There's a number of pharmaceutical companies that are also lined up to start clinical trials. So there's a lot of movement in the field and there's a lot of also policy and, and I would even say political pressure to get these vaccines going and to actually uh, get better influenza virus vaccines. One reason for that is because you know that there's issues with the with the current vaccines. They work well if they're matched to the circulating viruses, but very often they are not matched. And that's specifically a problem now because H3, which is one of the circulating influenza virus strains, um, actually split up in multiple clades. And so only one of them is always matched. So that's an issue. The other issue is that if a new influenza virus pandemic would start, it would take at least six months to get a good vaccine against that specific virus. But a universal influenza virus vaccine would 
basically take care of both of these problems. Mm-hmm. So then what is the next step in your research? Are you working on a phase two trial? Yeah, so right now we are trying to secure funding to move this ahead. There is a slight, I wouldn't say a complication, but so what we tested was a proof of principle study. Influenza A viruses come in two different groups, group one and group two, and then there's also influenza B. And so we aimed at using universal protection against group one influenza viruses. And we see in our clinical study that we get very broad antibody responses within group one. But we don't think that this vaccine, the way it is formulated right now, would protect against group two or influenza B. So the next step would actually be to make a trivalent formulation that includes group one, group two, and influenza B. So this was basically a proof of principle study, and we have shown now that the concept works, but we now need to work on a trivalent formulation. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So then, what is the overall clinical take-home message from your study? As I said, I mean it's a phase one study, so there's not much of a clinical take-home message, but there's a very strong basic research take-home message, and that is that we are capable of inducing these antibodies in humans. That wasn't clear. We have shown very nicely that we can induce these antibodies in several animal models. But this is really the first study to show that this can be done in humans. I think that's the take-home message, and that opens up a lot of avenues. It's it's helping us to move our vaccine forward, but it also helps other players in the field to move their vaccines forward because it wasn't clear so far if we can even do this. And if the human immune system would play along and uh, induce the right immune response. Thank you very much for joining me today and sharing insights on your trial. Thanks a lot. It was a pleasure.